Good morning, Hammock Street Church. How are you? Happy Mother's Day. What a day, right? What a day. And this is the day that we honor our mothers for all of their amazing hard work, moms and grandmas. And uh, I'm sure there's, there's some of you guys that are maybe even new moms out there. This may be your first Mother's Day, whatever it may be. Happy Mother's Day. And uh, we're excited this morning because we're going to talk about being more than enough. And so we're going to do a study today in the book of Colossians. Now I'm old school, so I use just a, I use a leather and paper and ink, right? So if you guys got your Bibles, that's great. If you use your phone, if you use a tablet, I don't know what you got, but you're going to need to open up your Bibles because we're going to go into some, some study this morning. You guys remember, again, me being a, I'm a true Gen Xer and very proud of that, right? So I'm, I'm the part of the generation that uh, is compared to the greatest generation, of course. We're the ones that we don't get our feelings hurt. We like to hurt other people's feelings and we don't care. No one likes us and we don't care, right? Gen X. And, uh, but part of being a Gen Xer was uh, we were probably that last generation of doing things with our hands other than having a phone, like a screen, right? And uh, I remember Rubik's Cube. You guys ever have a Rubik's Cube? We have Rubik's Cubes. You remember Slinkies? I mean, I remember like, you know, playing with those on Christmas morning and having some stairs and never really quite worked like the commercials where they slinky, a slinky, never quite worked like that. But our, our original screens were Etch-a-Sketches. Remember that? Etch a sketch, you shake it. Light brights. Oh yeah, remember those? And even those little, they had these like little twisty snake things that we'd make them into a ball. But, but remember those things. And I even remember as a kid and even as I became a parent 20 years ago and having the little shape boxes. You remember these guys, but they were like a ball. Remember them being a ball and you twist it and like shake out all the pieces. And it was just one of those things that we would try to, again, figure out how to be able to get those shapes in that boxes. And we would, we would struggle with it. And, and as I became a new dad, I kind of introduced Jillian and Kendall and Lola and how to be able to do this. And it was kind of our first, uh, our first processing of being able to figure things out, going from our mind, finding the shape and finding the right spot in the box. And as we kind of live our lives, it's, it's a very similar thing. Our life doesn't just go from these squares and circles and triangles, but they become more complex in life. And our struggle is still in the picture the same way. And, and we try to figure things out and we, we're continuously trying to stick it in. You know, like with, with children, right? With, with babies and you're watching them struggle, trying to put, put the right shape in there. And at some point you guide them to be able to, where does that shape go? And we put it in there. Remember the game aggravation? Kind of going from that, remember aggravation? And you'd have all of those pieces, but you'd push push it down into the box and have to, it was timed, right? This thing would be ticking, tick, 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 tick. And you'd have to hurry up and try to find all of those little pieces in there. And then all of a sudden, boom, it explodes and the pieces go flying everywhere. And the picture is very similar to our lives. The time is ticking and we're quickly trying to put the pieces right where they belong. And boom, the wrong moment happens and everything goes flying apart. And we're frustrated. We're scared. We have that anxiety that's built up inside of us. 
and it feels like we have to start all over again. Have you been there? And I think, again, I'm a guy that's interesting. My life story is pretty interesting because my dad passed away when I was about three years old. And I had my mom and my two sisters. And God has seen it fit that I'm, I'm always been the minority in the sorority. Always, always. Like I'm surrounded by women and I love women. They're great. They're wonderful because that's what kind of made me who I am today. And Jesus made it, provided me with a wonderful wife, wonderful mother, and three daughters. So I've just been destined in life to be surrounded by women. And I've had a lot of friends, women and girls that have blessed our lives, but there's a common thread. And I just kind of want to stick this because I think it's obviously very applicable to us as guys. But let me just kind of like, if I could get down on the floor, I would, but I can't because we're on video. But I want to speak into you as women, if you would give me permission. And I think I'm pretty well qualified, darn it. You know, come on. (sighs) If you guys could just see our bathroom and all the products and things like that. Um, The hair scrunchies and yeah. Um. But there is something to be said for you moms, you daughters, sisters, that I know that the darkness speaks into your life and says you're not good enough. That this is an inner battle, an inner demon throughout life, that as a female you're burdened with. Now us as guys sometimes flip on the other side of that and we're, <laughs> we think we're more than enough. A lot of times, you know, we, we look at ourselves in the mirror even at 48 years old and say, you know what, today I'm, not, I'm actually looking pretty good. I mean, I don't think I looked this good even at 17. You know, we kind of look at ourselves a little differently, but. But again, as, as women, maybe that hasn't been the story. That physically you don't see yourself as enough. Spiritually, you don't see yourself as enough. Emotionally, socially, financially, apparently, as mothers, you're not good enough. And, and you're constantly trying to get that to fit in your life. You're trying, trying to make sense of what God has created you to be and what's your purpose on earth and, and, and why, why does it just feel like on, constantly day after day and you're looking at yourself in the mirror going, I don't like that person I see. And the constant comparing to other women and social media and the Facebook and all of these things makes it even worse because you're seeing these perfect families going on these perfect vacations, living these perfect lives, amen? And this morning, I wanna tell you, you are more than enough. And guys, you're more than enough. The promise that we have as disciples of Jesus ensures 
that God has built us in a way that says, yes, we are missing something in our life. We are born with a, a, a hole in us that says that, yes, we are not enough. There's something else that has to come into play and that's God himself. Go to Colossians and I wanna show you this. This is the promise that we have. Knowing the secret to the box of life, right? Knowing this secret. And we're gonna go in and we're gonna talk about this church of Laodicea because there's two major areas in scripture that this little town has specifically been pointed out. Paul writes this, starting in chapter two, Verse one and five, I don't hear the pages turning, but hey, open up your Bibles, go to your screens. Here we go. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf. And this is written by Paul. Paul writes this to the church. He says, I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea and for all those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, having knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery that is Christ himself. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, I say this so that no one will delude you from persuasive argument. For even though I'm absent in body, nevertheless, I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and stability of your faith in Christ. So the writings, so we see here, the writings in Revelation about the church of Laodicea would be written years later that we're gonna read here in a minute because there's a different side that, that Paul, he, he sends this message encouraging this church. And we'll see years later that John the revelator would, would then have another instruction given to him by the spirit a piece of communication to them that I, it's very, very important for even us today because I think that it mirrors, it, it replicates even as Western culture church is today and the warning that it has. But before we get there again, we have to kind of see what we're talking about. What is this church in Laodicea? What is it, what, what, what did it even mean? What were they going through back then? Well, church of Laodicea was in what they would call in Asia today is Phrygia, in a little kind of area known as uh, Pamukkale, uh, which is, that's where it's at modern day today in Greece. It sits about 10 miles from the coast of Colossae. And in Paul's and John's time, it's important to know that this city was a place where it's prosperous. It was, a, it was known for its uh, medical advances. It was a very modern era. That was a nice place to live. It was financially stable. In fact, it was probably on the more upper crust. 
It was the capital of the Cybriatic, I know these kind of are crazy words, Cybriatic Convention. And this was like a consortium of, of about 25 small villages and towns, but it was that centerpiece. And again, just like other Roman cities, it, 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 knew, it knew religion and was pretty heavily involved with the Roman, the Roman practices and worshiping gods like Zeus and Apollos, Hades, Aphrodite. But also a part of this city was, was a pretty large population of Jews. It was a good patchwork of all sorts of ideas. It had an understanding of, of the search for God. But, there's always the but. Even though there was a lot of, lot of spirituality going on later on that God would call them out for being lukewarm and challenging, challenging this whole region on their spiritual condition. Some believe that this was a place of martyrdom of the apostle Philip. Paul probably never met these people. It could, could be a good chance that he never was able to even travel there to meet them. Yet he feels passionately for them. This is again, the model of a friendship expounding a pastor's heart that Paul had, that even though he wasn't there in person, he was there in spirit. But later on in the book of Revelation, John would be speaking on behalf of the Holy Spirit as he's writing to this church. So if you've got your Bible, turn over to Revelation chapter three, verse 14 and 22. And this kind of gets into some sticky stuff because this is, I, I believe... Whereas the Western culture church, the American church, whatever you want to call it, we have to take these warnings seriously about ourselves as a church body, but even individually. John writes this and says, to the angel of the church of Laodicea, write, the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. He says this, I know your deeds, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I'm rich. I've become wealthy. I have need of nothing. And you do not know that you're wretched. You're miserable and poor, and blind, and naked. This is speaking to Christians. I advise you to buy gold from me, refined by fire, so that you may become rich and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed, and the eye solve to anoint your eyes so that you can see. Those who I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and will dine with him and he with me. 
Again, this isn't the message of that you're not doing enough. You're not being good enough, but it is a warning. Because I think there's a lot of things that come into our lives that distract us from what God really has in store for us. There's a lot of things that distract us and we're sitting here trying to plow these things into these little holes in our life and it's just not working. We're getting frustrated. We're getting depressed. We get on medications. We do whatever we can to try to make our lives better. And God is just begging us and beckoning us to come to him and to do his will. There's some things that when we start looking at avoiding lukewarm behavior, we see some very things in common. We go back to Colossians chapter two, verse six and eight. And, and here's what some of these things can mean. When we revisit that verse, it says this, that we, if we live with Christ. Now here's the challenge, and this could be for all of us in our homes. I think it's very relevant. Is God a part of your home life? Now, what do we mean by this? When people enter your home, if a stranger enters your home, would they be able to identify you as a disciple of Jesus? Are the things that we're watching on TV, is the media, the movies, all those things, do they represent Jesus? in our homes? Are our conversations that we're having, do they represent Christ? Do we talk about Jesus? I know that if I had a member of, if I had one of my kids and we just kind of danced around and we never acknowledged that child, the damage that that would do in our home. If I came home and I never acknowledged Holly and I kind of just did my own thing and watched my own shows, I never acknowledged her. If I had pictures of maybe old girlfriends on the wall, how would that go over moms? <laughs> Not well, right? If the things that I was watching on TV, if those were offensive to my children and my wife, is Christ living in your home? The second thing is, are you rooted in Christ? Rooted. What would that even mean? Are you studying scripture? And we're talking more than just even on a Sunday morning, but is that a part of your regular practice in life? I say this all the time. My kids have to be studying for math and science and they've got all this homework. But in the same way, am I studying the word? Sometimes we just leave that up to the ministry or we leave that up to other folks. But are we as involved in the word of God than we might be in our social media? Hmm? Or does that just take a second place? These are the stern warnings that God is giving to us. If we're rooted in Christ becoming story form, do we even look like the story that God has put into our hearts? Do we reflect this in our lives? as we're driving down Palmetto, as we are walking into Starbucks, as we are interacting with employees and other people at Publix and Costco? Are we living story formed? And if we are living this, is it, is it truly reflecting the pattern that God has placed into our hearts? Because again, this is where 
shapes start to fit into the right spot. Built up in Christ, are we serving in the kingdom? Are we going from just simply being attenders and being servers in the kingdom? Using Hammock Street Church as your vehicle to be able to do that. Oftentimes, again, we kind of like participate into a church and we think, okay, well, it's all Pastor Russell's job or Scott's job, whatever, to be able to do these things, to evangelize, to be able to tell people about Jesus, to be able to serve our community. It's someone else's job. When God is looking at you and he's saying, listen, I want you to stop being lukewarm. I want you to be, because I want you to be a part of this, this church body and more than just being in, in attendance. Strengthened in the faith. What are you doing to take a risk for Christ? Does a community know that you are a Christ follower? Do they know when you walk into a room is the Holy Spirit working in you and making that into a better place? Taking risks. And maybe again, that might bring persecution into your life in one form or another. That might make you have to say no to certain things, other commitments in order to fit the kingdom into your life. Overflowing with thankfulness. Worshiping God individually and corporately. Like this is good. We, we, we do this on Sunday for an hour. We worship God. But are you even doing it individually? Giving thanksgiving to God. Being grateful to him for the good things that are going on in our lives. Because these are all pieces that God is saying if you just worship me. In spirit and in truth. Guarding yourself. Guarding yourself, guarding your heart, not letting trash enter into your thoughts. Replacing those things again, instead of, I know that, and I'm preaching to myself, by the way, okay? So just, I want to just underline that. These are things that I've got to work on myself constantly. But am I putting in things from watching YouTube videos or my Facebook feeds, Twitter feeds, social media, coming home and watching different, different medias of the news and whatever other things going there? But am I allowing my thoughts, the stuff that I'm listening to, even in the car, can I start to replace the podcasts of Joe Rogan, maybe with something else that's gonna feed me, a Francis Chan or Andy Stanley, or these things that are gonna make me a better person with my thoughts? instead of just constantly feeding myself with sports and politics and all of these other things that I kind of get addicted to. Amen. Is anybody else there with me? I've got that going on in my life, guys, and I got to clean it out. And even replacing that with listening to worship music. Like what are your kids in the back seat listening to as you're driving down the street? Are you providing those things? Because again, God is saying, listen, you've got all of these things going. You don't think that you're enough. You're watching those families on YouTube that, or, or on Facebook that have such a better life. They got a better house. They got a better, they got a better vacation. They, they, their kids are professional athletes by now. I mean, you're seeing all of these things. And man, I'm just not, I wish that I could just, I wish that I could post a picture of myself so happy. These are the pitfalls. 
These are what pulls us into that lukewarm behavior. We gotta be very careful. And again, God's not doing it. Repent, repent, I'm gonna give you a spiritual spanking and yeah, you're not good enough. He's not saying that at all. The writer, the warning to Laodicea is saying, listen, the reason why you don't feel like you're good enough is because you're comparing yourself and the world is saying you're never good enough. That if you don't buy this car, you're not good enough. That if you aren't wearing that watch, if you aren't wearing those clothes, if you don't look like this, if you're not thin and you're fat and you're tall, you're short, all of these things, the world will promise to tell you how bad you are and how much of a failure you are. I don't care. I'm about to preach. Sorry. Look out. Sorry, everybody online. I'm going to move this because I'm going to preach. Those are lies. The truth is that Jesus has come into the world to give you another promise. He's saying, listen, I'm gonna help you fit these things into your life. I know that the, t- the t- ticker is ticking and it's about to explode and you got this anxiety built up and you can't sleep. You're waking up at three in the morning. Anybody else? Your kids are going off the rail. Your mom has Alzheimer's. Your parents are dying. There's COVID. You're not good enough. You're not healthy enough. Put on that mask. Put on these things. Wear this clothes. We're going to tell you to do this. Vote this way. Act this way. Talk this way. Cancel those friends. The world is full. I got to watch my language. They're full of baloney, guys. The world is constantly, and that's the promise. The world's going to be shoving this darkness and these lies and anxiety and depression into your life. It's lies and God's begging the church, begging you, don't buy it, come to me. Repent, come back to me. Okay. I'll behave myself. Oh my, oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, let's go back. And, let's settle things down. Let's go back to the word. Holy cow. Uh, my mom and dad are watching this up in Washington right now and they're probably like, oh boy. Oh boy, here we go. Verse nine, get your Bibles open. Chapter two, verse nine, Colossians. And this is what he says. For in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. This is the secret. Oh, and in him, you've been made complete. Let me say that again. In him, you've been made complete. You see, the world is saying, you aren't good enough. There is not, you can't do enough. And some of us have seen that. I hope not, but some of us, I know we've been drug into it, but watching the, 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 the trial um, with the, help me out here. My brain's not working. Uh, Johnny Depp, thank you. Johnny Depp and his wife. I mean, here's a couple that again, at face value, these guys are worth millions, if not billions of dollars. They've got to, make, they've got to have multiple homes. They got everything that they need. They could go anywhere and travel at any time. They don't even have to work ever again, nor do their children and great-grandchildren. They are set. And look how screwed up their poor life is. It's sad. It's really sad. And you're watching this couple that I assume at some point loved each other and committed to each other. 
and said, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna do life together. And watching it in public, just being drugged through the mud. And that's the, that's a, that, that is the perfect picture of darkness. They will not be enough. There is not enough for them. There's not enough marital counselors in the world that could help their issues right now. And it's sad, it's a tragedy. But in a microcosm, isn't that exactly what's going on with us? And maybe our marriages are okay. Maybe they're good, they're great. But there's other things in the world because the world will continuously say that. And Jesus is saying, in me, you're complete. In me, there's nothing you can do. Going on. I'm gonna repeat that verse. Verse 10. And in him, you've been made complete and he is the head over all rule and authority. And in him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. (sighs) Being buried with him, having canceled out the certificate of death, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of degrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through them, through him. Being buried in Christ. Originally, again, mankind was responsible for taking care of its own sin issues. At some point in the, the old law that we were responsible for having to take care of our sin issues. According to the Jewish law of providing sacrifices, but it still wasn't good enough, was it? That God had to send his son, his only son, who he loved in the world to be crucified resurrected and the invitation was there for us to be in relationship with him and that's when we have the liberty that's when we have the freedom over all of those things that we're more than enough again moms women daughters girls the darkness is going to keep picking on you it's gonna to continue to say, you're, you're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're too skinny, you're too fat. Your mistakes, those things that you did in the past. Yeah, all of that, the shame that it keeps building into your lives and the promises that God through Jesus says, nah, 
No more of that. I've taken that. I nailed it to the cross so that you could have new life. You are more than enough. That to Jesus, he puts you on that pedestal and says, you are beautiful. You are perfect the way that you are. That there is nothing more that you can do. You cannot even try to bring me pleasure. I love you. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to worship me. I want you to study about me. I want you to put away your social media and spend time with me. Turn off that stuff in the car and turn on worship music so that we could, we could talk. And in response, we show them that gratitude. We show them that thankfulness. And again, same thing for us guys. That especially as guys that we're constantly trying to work, we're work, we're doers, we're problem solvers. We're trying to fix things. We're trying to fix things in our lives. We're trying to fix our addictions. And we keep going back to the slop. We keep eating the grime and inputting that into our lives. Guys, we got to repent. Men, as much as the world wants to lie and say this isn't true, it is true. You got to take the lead in your families, guys. I got to take the lead in my family. Am I talking to anybody else? You got to step up because you are not enough. You're not good enough. And then until we take Christ as the King, as the Lord, because the whole book of Colossians is about Lordship, until we take him and make him Lord of our life and be that representative of who Jesus is to our family, they won't know that they're more than enough. And we take those actions and we prove to our, 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 our wives and our daughters and our sons that they are more than enough. Are you speaking truth into them? St. Francis of Assisi said it. Preach the gospel and use words if necessary. Are you providing the example to your family? of who Jesus is. Do you look like Jesus? When we talk about Jesus coming in and living into our families' lives, into our homes, are we representing Christ more than just a cute cliche, but do we look like Jesus to them? Men, we gotta step up, brothers. The world is telling us to back off. Paul is begging the church. John is begging the church. Be Jesus. Be like Christ. Women, you are more than enough. Says the supreme being. Men, you will be more than enough as well. And the responsibility to that is that you pass it on, that you lead boldly in your families. Amen. Amen. Oh.
gosh. I, I got a memory verse for you guys this week. I'm gonna do this, hold me accountable, but I want you to be accountable to it as well. This verse, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he disarmed it. He stripped the world down. He made a public spectacle of them. He took the darkness, he took Satan and drug him through the streets. He's already proved it. We see this thing happening in real time. Again, Johnny Depp, the celebrities, media, politicians, you fill in the blank and drags it through the streets in front of us and says, it's not good enough. And regardless of our political persuasions, it's not good enough. Regardless of the dollar signs that get thrown out in front of us, it's not good enough. He drags it out in front of the world and says, this is pathetic stuff. Instead, look at that bottom, that last verse, triumphing over them by the cross. That boldly through the cross, when we see that, when we see the symbolism that Jesus nailed it to the cross, all of those lies and resurrected in power were made new. That God comes alongside of us and says, listen, I'm going to assist you. I'm gonna help put those pieces where they belong. I know the way. Don't buy into the lies. Ladies, you are beautiful. Every single one of you. That you are a princess to Jesus. So much that he was willing to go to the cross. He says, you're worth it. So much that he was willing to resurrect and come back again. So much that he says, listen, I'm gonna take my church. I want the whole world to know. And until my return, I want you to keep telling people about me. I want you to be the, the representative, the ambassador in your workplace, in your home life. I love, I, I, I love sports. I love the Seattle Sounders. You guys probably don't even, some of you guys might know who that is. Some might even say I got a tattoo of the Sounders on me, but I'm not gonna display that. I love the Seattle Sounders. I love them. They're great. They're fantastic. They're the best team in the world. Best sports team ever. They won this Wednesday. They won, they call it the CONCACAF championship. It's the biggest trophy you could win in all of North America. It's a big tournament for North American clubs, all of them. And they earned a spot to be able to get in that tournament. Then they won it. It's bigger than the Super Bowl, really, because Super Bowl is only American teams. Bigger than the World Series. Bigger, 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 bigger. It takes them to this thing called the Club World Cup. Well, they ended up, they'll end up having to play like Real Madrid. You guys probably don't even know that, or Manchester United, some of these other... I love to talk about the Sounders, guys. I love it. Everywhere I go, I talk about the Sounders. Passionate about it. Dude, where are their jerseys? But am I just as passionate about Christ? 
Am I wearing his jersey? Am I representing him? Am I going wherever I go and preach the gospel and in using words if necessary? When I'm going into Publix, when I'm going into Starbucks, when I'm walking through the doors of Hammock Street Church, is that coming out in my mouth, in my actions, all of those things? Do people know that about me? And I hope so. I hope when I walk into a room, it's positive because the spirit of God is coming through me. We're more than enough. Jesus has made us that way. And if I'm more than enough, I'm just gonna let it keep flowing out of me. They're gonna see that, gonna see it. Everything that I do in my actions. Am I gonna make mistakes? Sure. But is that gonna set me back? No, because God has promised it's more than enough. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. May God bless you guys. Oh, good. I'm, I'm applauding to you guys, especially all the moms out there. I know what you do every day. You're amazing. Let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. God, I pray that you'd bless us this morning. Thank you so much, so much for considering us, for making the sacrifice, for creating us that we could know you and be in relationship with you for all eternity. God, I pray that you would embolden us today, this week, to be able to go into the world, to preach the good news, to draw people closer to, to you. And by doing that, we'll be drawing them closer to us. I pray, Lord, that you would cast out the darkness. I pray that you would cast out the anxiety, the depression, that in Jesus' name, that we would just lean on you. God, you are so good. God, I pray for a special blessing over these moms today. And what a huge role that they serve to their families, to this kingdom. I pray, Lord, a blessing on them that they would, that they would be deafened by the lies, the things that they see with their eyes and the things they hear with their ears. But God, that you would embolden them with the promise that they are more than enough. We love you, Jesus. We pray that you would come back quickly. Take us home. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. God bless you all. We're dismissed.